Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 319. Hope everyone had a great weekend and was watching the Ryder Cup on TV. Not gonna lie, I tried to wake up every morning at 1.30 a.m. to catch the beginning, but it seemed like 4 or 5 a.m. was all that I could manage. Tremendous performance by the Euros. I was really happy for Luke Donald. And yeah, the Americans, well, for those of you that have been following golf as long as I have, it's simply deja vu all over again. The Euros just seem to always come together and get it done when the Ryder Cup is up for grabs. Beth Page Black will certainly be a raucous scene in a couple years. Ryder Cup in New York. Get ready for the drama that will certainly unfold. For those of you that follow the back of the range, I'm sure that you were following former guest and friend of the podcast Ludwig Ober during his debut performance in the Ryder Cup. He teamed up with Victor Hovland, another former guest on the podcast, come to think of it, as they took down Scheffler and Kepka 9 and 7 on Saturday. I'll be catching up with Ludwig in the next couple weeks. I've invited him to return to the back of the range for a chat. Of course, we will talk about the Ryder Cup, but we really are just going to talk about the last three to four months since he left Texas Tech. It's got to be an absolute whirlwind. The last time I saw him, he was picking up the Haskins Award at Greyhawk in the desert. And yesterday, I'm watching him hoist the Ryder Cup over his head during the closing ceremonies with Rory McIlroy and the rest of the European team cheering him on. Can't wait to record that episode, so make sure you're following on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I really want to get his impressions from what must have been an absolutely surreal week in Rome. As for me, I just got back from Birmingham, Alabama, where I was covering the SEC match play hosted by Jerry Pate. Exciting championship that found a bunch of low scores in the stroke play portion of the championship, as well as a really cool final match between Auburn and Vanderbilt. The individual stroke play title went to none other than Nick Dunlap. He chased down Gordon Sargent with a final round 63, making birdie on the last hole. Impressively, all three of the U.S. Walker Cuppers in the field had nice showings at the Country Club of Birmingham. Caleb Surratt rounded out the trio and finished tied for 11th. In the championship match, Vanderbilt was a bridesmaid once again, finishing runner-up for the second consecutive year, this time losing to Auburn. It went down to the final match, and it actually took 20 holes for J.M. Butler to defeat William Mall with a conceded birdie. That's two consecutive wins for Auburn to start the season. Now, I know it's early. There's no need for any team to get too ahead of themselves, but that's a hell of a start for Coach Nick Kleinert and his team. So add them to the list, if you haven't already, of teams that should be primed to make a run for the national championship. As always, keep following along on social media as the fall moves forward. The best place to find all of the information on the Back of the Range is at the website, thebackoftherange.com. My next stop will be next week at the Big 12 Match Play at Houston Oaks. Looking forward to catching up with Kansas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, all the big-time programs in the Big 12. Houston Oaks was a lot of fun last year. So I am definitely looking forward to a great experience there this year. 
My guest on this episode is Ben James from the University of Virginia. Last year, Ben had arguably the best individual performance of the collegiate golf season. Five wins, one of them was in his debut. He's a first-team All-American, Haskins Award finalist, and found himself in the top 10 of the World Amateur Golf Rankings as the summer approached. We spoke about his performance in the U.S. Amateur and his experience as one of the members of the U.S. Walker Cup team that defeated the GB&I squad in St. Andrews. Ben partnered with fellow rising sophomore from Tennessee, Caleb Surratt. In fact, the kids, as they were often referred to, were the only pairing to appear in both of the foursome sessions. So we dove into why he thought their pairing was so successful. And we also talked about the marquee match of the entire Walker Cup. And that took place in the U.S. team room. So you want to wait till the end of this episode to hear that whole story. Let's get this episode started. Ben, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Ben. I'm excited to have a conversation. Yeah, well, we got lots to talk about. Um, I mean, gosh, we, we both are just now returning and kind of getting into the mode of college golf again after a great summer and uh, being over in, uh, in St. Andrews for the Walker Cup. Um, we're going to talk about UVA. We'll talk about your start in the game as we tend to do here at the back of the range, but let's work backwards slightly here from the Walker cup. Um, I've heard a couple things about, you know, well, I haven't heard a couple things. I know that the, the, the trip back from an international Walker cup, that's a, that's a tough early wake up call with a 7am flight or 6am flight, whatever you guys have added out of Edinburgh going from the highest of highs of winning the Walker cup at St. Andrews, getting on that plane in the morning, that could have been the most fun flight you've ever gotten on. It was it was pretty incredible. Obviously, flying uh, first class is great. I mean, we were all like gas. I mean, we were tired. We we had a lot of emotions. So I mean, everyone was happy, but we were we were pretty tired. We played a lot of golf, a lot of good golf, and actually, one of the in the flight, uh, I think many people that probably listen to the podcast uh now no i don't like salad and of course the guys have to have the uh stewardess put tent in front of my in front of my plate because we got meals out there as, as to keep the joke going which was great so they they, put, was like, they they put salads when so the flight attendant brought like a big pile of salads for your meal correct that's amazing. and uh, i was t- I was tired. I was cranky. I was not in a great mood, but that's what happened. And I laughed. You know, it was great. But <laughs> well, I think I was actually kind of guilty. I think I, I think I was having dinner a couple of days after the Walker Cup, and I was having a salad. And I think I just took a picture of it and just sent it to you. So that I think I'm just as guilty as everyone else. I'll probably have to keep doing that. <laughs> but we're going to get into that full story of where that com- that came from because I think people know it or they don't. But we're going to get into it. But um, yeah, that early flight, um, is, is a rough one, but it's probably a lot easier when you got that Walker cup, uh, traveling back with you. So you're starting the game, Milford, Connecticut, you know, this is not the, maybe not the traditional hotbed of junior golf. Uh, you don't enjoy the same weather that I do here in Florida and that people like Preston Summerhays enjoys in Arizona, but this is where you got your start in the game. We always like getting into, you know, where someone, uh, first falls in love with the game. So I know, I know a little bit of the history, but talk, talk to me about when you started playing golf. Yeah. So I started kind of from my grandfather. He caddied for Tommy Armour back in the day. He was a good player himself. 
and he was a starter at like a pretty nice local golf course. And I would just go up there and hang out with him and just kind of was always brought up with the game. The course is pretty nearby. So I started when I was two, obviously hitting the plastic balls and clubs in the backyard and thinking nothing, nothing of it. Obviously it was parents just, Oh, he's having fun hitting, in some balls, whatever. Sure. And then I think I think I played my first tournament, like the U.S. Kids, when I was like four. And I remember I came in like fifth or sixth, and I was like, I was like crying because I didn't win because I had like, <laughs> I mean, I had no clue. I was just like crying. But yes, yeah, so I played my first tournament when I was four, and then it kind of just did the whole U.S. Kids and. Always, always stayed in Connecticut for like the winters and try to try to hit balls as much as possible, even though there's not much to uh, not many places where you can. But, you know, when I was younger, I thought I, I really I really loved it. I had big goals when I was young. So I was I was a dreamer and it was it was pretty cool just to see how how, how I started and kind of made my way up with the journey and it was actually a cool cool thing i have an old u.s kids like uh scoring sheet where all the the kids and players were i think we were i was six and and michael thorbjornson was uh seven at the time so it was funny so we were both like last like we both came in like last we were like i think like literally tied for a hundredth or something. That's great. So it's it's funny how we both were in the, the back of the train and kinda kinda made our way up, which is which was cool to see. I, I saw that about last year. I was like, wow, that's funny. Yeah, funny I, how stuff works. I actually got shown a, a picture. Um <clears throat> Nick Dunlap's mother showed me a picture of Nick and Gordon playing US kids when they're like seven. So yeah, those are so cool just to see where everyone starts and um, and then everyone ends up. That's just, yeah, that's awesome when you see things like that. So you mentioned not a lot of places to play, but I, I mean, I don't know how you can not, you know, just credit the, 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 the facilities like Four Seasons Golf Club and the, uh, the Sports Center of Connecticut. I mean, how can you possibly not mention those two places? I mean, that's that's where you got your start, man. That's the place. Seriously. So sports centers, like a, it's not even like meant for golf. It's no. like mini golf, mini golf, laser tag, ice skating, and they have a indoor outdoor driving range. So I would go after school, hit a bucket or two balls. And I guess called work with my dad and we would try to try to get better in those conditions. And, uh, did that for probably until like eight to like 16 and then four seasons is like an old tennis tennis like this indoor tennis facility they got like reamped to like a, a mini like golf facility kind of like with nets like a styrofoam chipping and putting area wow thinking back on this and like i don't, I don't even wow <laughs> and look but where it, you, but it, and look where you are today it, seriously but uh it uh it's cool it's uh, it was it was a good spot. I mean, it's all I had, so I just had to go there and grind. I mean, not until I had my own track, man. I would like once I got that, I could actually start doing like some good work that actually like I thought I could get better at. But up till then, it was just to stay loose, 
until the summer. Literally all it was just to hit some balls and stay loose. Well, you know, I mean, just me thinking about it as a kid, I mean, sure, when you're 13, 14, you want to get work done, you're prepping for AJGA tournaments they obviously played in, but that had to have been a pretty cool environment in the off season because everything around there just screams like fun and nothing too serious. I mean, you, you can't take things too seriously while you're hitting balls when there's laser tag and batting cages in the same facility. I mean, you can't go too crazy, but yeah, that had to have been just a kind of a fun environment to, to hang out. What other than golf, what's your best skill at the sports center of Connecticut? I'd say probably, probably the batting cages. Okay. Probably the batting cages, one of those a couple of times, the arcade. I'd say my dad used to drop me off and I always try to sneak in the arcade. Yeah, there you <laughs> in go. The arcade and play some games. But yeah, probably the arcade or the batting cages, I would say. Yeah, those places are, man, those places need to be in every town. I mean, just yeah, they're fun. Putt putts. Yeah, that's that looks like a fun joint. Well, you get into more serious competition. You have this really great junior career. I mean, we to go through everything you accomplished there, just, I mean, all the AJGA titles and junior Ryder cup and president's cup and, you know, all these different accomplishments. I want to ask something about your swing actually. So you're six, two, six, three, I think, I mean, you're listed, six, but there you go. Six, two, you actually have a pretty low ball flight and, you know, I'm six, four. I never had any issue getting the ball in the air, hitting it high. I guess when you have long arms and, you know, the, the the lever, is so to speak, is long enough. You can hit it as high as you want to. And the game has kind of gone to a direction of, you know, uh, you know, launch it high and a, a game that's played high in the air. You kind of have that opposite, you know, you kind of have the skill set that most players just don't have or they're trying to figure out a way to flight the ball. Um, you're able to do that, and it, it looks quite natural. Was there ever a moment where – you know, maybe coaches or someone was like, well, you just need to hit it higher or how did maybe your swing become your own? Okay. So that's a great question. So we'll start actually back at the sports center where it's in the winter. Okay. It's windy. It's how do you keep the ball straight? Well, you keep the ball straight by hitting it lower. So after like, just seriously, just when I was probably 12, 13, just like, how do we keep this ball straight in the wind? Like, what do we do? We just hit it really, really low. So that's kind of where it started. And honestly, I would probably hit most of my balls in the winter time because that's all like I could do. Like there was no short game. Right. So I probably hit most of my balls in the winter time. And that's kind of how I think my low ball flight kind of started was like just to, how to hit it straight, what's the straightest ball flight going to be in that weather. And obviously from being up north, a lot of windy conditions, a lot of not great conditions. So right. it's just kind of how to how to hit it the straightest in that conditions. But now it's kind of, I mean, my swing, I hit down on it and spin it a lot. So I could still kind of hit up. I kind of hit low risers. Right. So I hit it on the low side, but I get plenty of spin. So I just think that's kind of how, that's my swing. I hit a little, little down on it and it kind of rises up and still I can get that the spin on firm greens that I need. And then obviously when it comes to hitting longer clubs, like a driver three wood, I'm guessing you're paying a lot of attention to numbers you're getting off a of track man. Cause you obviously don't want to spin it too much off a of driver. 
Correct. I actually had to recently switch golf balls because I, I'm now playing the Pro the Pro V1 instead of the X just because I was probably – I was looking at my track brand numbers from Travelers and I was, like, spitting out, like, 3,100. And obviously it's great when you play firm, fast conditions like USAM and you could stop a four-iron on a dime. And that's sure. amazing. And distance sometimes is irrelevant if you're hitting the fairway, like, it just is like fairways are important to hit. So distance doesn't matter sometimes, but obviously you got to get that. Need, that needed to be addressed. So I think I'm trying the pro V one right now. And so far it's been great. And I actually switched to that St. Andrews when I was hitting these high spinny cuts and I was just fed up with it. So I tried a different ball and, and it helped a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, I and we'll, we'll get into that, but I noticed that that was probably something, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of you guys over there, it was, it was interesting seeing you guys the first couple of days at Dunbarney and, and Kingsbarns, um, you know, just like approach shots, wedges, you know, things around the green. And, you know, some guys I could just see, they're just like, Oh, so it's not going to spin like this. It's yeah, this isn't going <laughs> to, this isn't going to work. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Like, oh yeah. You, like I said, you really, uh, you know, jumped up in your, in your junior ranks and, uh, in your junior accomplishments and you end up going to Virginia, uh, where did, uh, you know, in the recruiting process, you know, that can be kind of a challenge for juniors where they think they want to go one place and then whether it be a year or two later, uh, things change or, you know, their, their skill set changes, whether it goes, you know, you know, shoots up, shoots down. Um, you know, you, you kind of, there's that interesting time when you're a freshman between freshman and junior seasons in high school where a lot can change. Uh, when did Virginia kind of start popping into uh, the mix as, as a school that you would consider then ultimately chose? Yeah. So, uh, I, so I committed my freshman year of high school before the, the rule change. So I literally did that right before like coaches, I don't even know now, but they, can't talk to you until you're a junior i think that's correct so i think i got i committed uva before the rule change and coach Sargent and coach phillips who was there now who's the coach in maryland now was the assistant with uh sarge they gave me a great offer it's an amazing school and they're making a they're we have a great facility that was in the works so i was like I mean, I can't really turn it down. I mean, all of the the school, the golf, everything's there. So, I mean, I got a opportunity of, the life to, of a lifetime. So, I, I knew at that moment, like, I mean, I didn't. I had no clue what was going to happen in the future. So, I'm like, I, I just kind of kind of got to take it in a way. And, obviously, uh, Sarge works super hard, and he'll, he'll do anything for his guys. So, I knew I had a hard-working coach. and just everything was the pieces were there that I wanted had a great opportunity to play for him. So I, I really couldn't, I really couldn't say no, say no to that. Yeah. Well, he looks like a genius and, and you have this, you know, historic freshman season at, at Virginia, you know, five wins. I think you're the second player in program history to uh, become a first team all American. You're the second player in program history to get freshman of the year, the, the Mickelson award. Uh, you know, I, as you're saying, you just, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you're, you're obviously number one ranked junior in the world um, at the time, or at least at some point in your junior career, I know that you were, I'm not sure if you were coming into college or 
you know, those, you know, how rankings are, they can change. I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, uh, yeah. Gordon just dropped number two in the world. I haven't called him. I'm sure he's doing okay, but I think I should check on him. But um, <laughs> how do you, you know, you make this transition to college golf where, you know, everything's changing around you, surroundings, teammates, coaches, classes. I mean, you pick up five wins. You're, you're in the conversation of every single award. Do you, I mean, looking back at last year, can you even explain why the transition was easy for you? I mean, looking back to last year, I'm like, wow, how did, how did I do this? But, uh, no, I think just having like more structured practice. So I just, my mind wanders sometimes when I, when I practice. So I think just having a lot of structured practice, being around such a great group of guys that always pushes you and you always play a lot of competitive games. And it's like, it's kind of the first time in my life where I was playing with guys who are just as good and, and have, and are better than me. So it was like, I had all, I had all that for me to, to, to play against. It's really the best competition I've, I've had. So it's being a kid from Connecticut, obviously there's a lot of good, a lot of good players, but not a lot from my, my age. Yeah. So obviously, obviously there's a lot of good older players, but, guys that are my age it was it was tough to find good competition so i think playing getting an environment where there's a lot of good competition i think really helped the start i think my first event getting a win it's always good to get a win early it just boosts your confidence it, it just it's a lot of a lot of good comes from that and uh i think last year i I just did a good job of not making a lot of mistakes. Like I went, my first tournament was at stream song and I went bogey free for the whole tournament. I know it's not the most difficult course, but listen, it's even if you play. Yeah. Yeah. Bogey free. I don't care what you're talking about. Bogey free is pretty damn impressive. So I think starting, starting with a win helped me a lot and just the the way I, I kind of worked at it and didn't really didn't stop being hungry is was the key to key to the, the start of the fall and obviously the transition of the winter gets colder not doing so much have a lot more school so after that i, I thought i i trained pretty well over the winter and got off to a good start uh, in puerto rico coming in fourth which is a nice week and just played i think went to piners after that had a played a pretty poor final day to I think come in second and then I knew I had a couple of things to work on with coach and then we took we that led us to our spring break trip so we all we were the whole team worked really hard on that and worked on our weaknesses and had a great finish to our year and unbelievable I mean we did a crazy job making it to match play I don't think anyone thought our team was going to make it to match play and we just we played really well when it counted. So that was, that was big for us. And we trusted each other and we knew if anyone had that last part to that big putt, uh, we were comfortable with anyone taking it. So that's, that's important. Yeah. You guys, you guys fell in the quarters to the eventual champions, uh, Florida. Um, <clears throat> you're right. Just in, in really a, a great run and had it been so satisfying. I mean, no, I know you had a lot of individual success throughout the year, but to be there, uh, to get that far with your team, that has to be a huge boost leading into uh, 
leading into this year, your sophomore season. What what are some of the things that you and and, and coach work on after a tournament? Like, what's the typical kind of debrief um, routine that you do? Is it just going over scores? Is it going over stats? Do you set goals heading into each tournament? Um, you know, what are, I mean, are you a numbers guy? Are you there looking at all your stats after every tournament? And, uh, you know, how do you kind of approach a, a post-tournament kind of breakdown with, with, uh, with, with Coach Sargent? So coming into school, I was not at all a numbers guy and stats guy. I just was like, I just kind of went off feel like what felt bad and went, went to work on it. But obviously I got introduced to the world of stats and kind of go over some statistics. What, what was bad? What something that I thought was bad, maybe wasn't bad or something that I thought was good. Maybe was bad. Right. So it was cool, cool to kind of see what really was bad and to kind of just like, just go grind on that. Just go sit there for half of practice 75% 75% of practice just on that and go get better at your weaknesses. Well, it's, uh, it's clearly paid off. Um, you know, I, I know you have this great season and I think at the time you were, I mean, gosh, like I said, five wins your freshman season. Now you kind of enter the gauntlet of amateur golf tournaments with the Walker cup at kind of the, the carrot at the very end waiting for you. And I think at the time of nationals, you were, probably fifth in, in world am rankings and which was essentially fourth because they hadn't pulled uh, uh Berg off the list yet he was at number one obviously he turns pro so everyone bumps up one so you're you're ranked fifth fourth you're the fourth american you're you're look like you're in pretty good shape for a pick and then you kind of have a slump over the summer i mean 52nd at sunny hannah you miss a couple cuts uh, i think you know you only played four events but you know 28th at the southern and, you know, it's kind of an odd year where, well, not odd, but it's just kind of unusual to the point where we have such a deep pool of talent here in the United States. And a lot of the guys weren't, you know, unless your name was Nick Dunlap or Neil Shipley, you really, no one was really making a big jump and a big move uh, to, to get the eye of, of people selecting uh, the U.S. Walker Cup team. So, you know, you're kind of coming into this USAM and uh, you know, you want to play well there. You want to make a push. You want to have the committee, you know, notice like, okay, this, this guy needs to be on the team. What, what was your approach going into the US amateur after, you know, I think fair to say not, not the most, uh, you know, somewhat disappointing summer, you know, how did you prepare for basically this one last shot to, you know, you know, get attention and get on the team and also put yourself in a spot to potentially win a USAM. Yeah, so that was it. Was a pretty rough couple, uh, couple week or week uh, after Western. Just trying to really think to myself, like, what in the world is going on, and what am I going to do to stop this? Like, stop being in shambles, basically playing like I'm in shambles. So I haven't. I didn't have like really a lesson all summer. So I mean, just busy with like a uh, couple a couple events travelers was a long week that was a full full week of practice obviously enjoying enjoying the experience so that was amazing so i really took that all in when watched the last couple days so that was great but uh i was just thinking man something 
clearly has to change because what you're doing is is not working. So that's what I did. I changed a couple things. So first, I went down to uh, Linville, North Carolina, in the middle of nowhere, stayed in a log cabin, uh, and saw uh, Jeff Pierce, who works with Brooks and a couple other guys, and worked on a few things, just was really open with him, just on what was going on, like my swing game mentally, kind of just where everything was at. And we worked on some stuff. I had a great time. I relaxed and you know, got some good work in, probably got like 10, 12 hours with him. And it was more than just in, in balls in the range or on the chipping green or working on some putting. It was just more talking, talking out some some mental stuff, just figuring out like what what you're thinking out there, what's your tendency, and just just going from there was kind of the start of a different opportunity that I had. And then I would say picking picking my caddy for USM was the other difference I had. I kind of bounced around with caddies. Another buddy that caddied for me at Travelers. Sunihana and my dad caddied for me at the Southern Am. So I was like, well, I need to find someone. And I was like, I don't, I don't care how much experience, who's going to be on my bag, how much experience. So I got my, uh, my high school buddy to be on my bag. I was like, if I'm going to be out there for five hours each day. I'm going to be out there with someone that I can enjoy being out with. And I could have a ton of fun, no matter I shoot 80 or 65. So I took him down for the trip and he had, he had no clue. He had no <laughs> clue what was going on. Like I felt so bad. And we, I, we played with uh, Luke Lynn and Michael Brennan. Obviously I'm good friends with Luke and his, his caddy. I didn't get his, I forget his caddy's name, but his caddy was really nice to my buddy Vinny, who was uh, my caddy. And he was, he kind of always took the flag and kind of, showed him the ropes a little bit, but yeah, he, he had no clue what was going on. That's kind of a good thing. Cause he, most caddies will get nervous or do whatever. And he, he just didn't care. He just wanted to, he just, he just, he's he, just looking at the mountains the whole time. He's like, wow, it's so pretty out here. Like, Oh, sorry. Where are we? Yeah, what? Seriously. It was, it was great. I mean, his goal for me was just for us to have a good time. Seriously. I mean, he didn't, he didn't care how, how far we made it or anything. He just wanted to have a good time with me. And that's, that's what we did. And, ended up playing well so no, it was you, cool to kind of see like changing it up and how the different things i worked on and that it, that it worked and again you know swing changes uh, or are changing a couple things in your swing um making a couple you know minor adjustments you know that's that can be done but you know it really you really must have had to do some soul searching to kind of get yourself mentally prepared because as, as much as you want to put it out of your mind you know that this is this is a very important tournament not only for what comes from winning a US amateur but also you know they 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 held off selecting the team until after the US amateur that's how i think tight everything was and that's why they they wanted to wait and see one more tournament so mm-hmm. were there any like mental keys that you know, you kept in your mind through the practice rounds, through the stroke play rounds that maybe, you know, someone listening could, could incorporate into their game because, you know, maybe not everyone's getting ready for a USAM, but you know, they're getting ready for a club championship. Uh, you know, a junior's getting ready to try and qualify for his high school team. 
And, you know, how do you put those thoughts of, you know, what happens if I do this? You know, how do you get that out of your head and just go play? I'm going to first start off with, with something that I really thought about before I played. I mean, coming down the stretch in a, in a tight match, to be honest, skill skills there, but it, it kind of goes out the window. It's all, it's all what's in your head. I mean, it's all who has heart and who has just, who has it that day. Like that's what it is. Skill kind of, kind of goes out the window. It's just what you have in your head and in your heart. And I, I kind of thought about that. Like I never really thought about that. So I was like, Oh, he's, he's a better player. He's supposed to be not a, a worse player. And that's going to be what, like whatever that's going to be the outcome but i'm like that that goes out the window it seriously does for that day it's just it's just who's going to be the grittiest and who's going to fight and get it done so i was like hey at at that stage again like whoever is the prettiest swing it it means nothing so it's just it was that was kind of my first thought process coming into the week obviously that's not the thought process for stroke play i'll transition into that so for stroke play, it was kind of like, hey, this is – it's 36 holes. It's it's a long two days, and you have to be very – you have to be very, like – I'm a cautious player. I don't like playing too aggressive. I like being in the fairway in the middle of the green, and if I have a hot putter, I'll, I'll do pretty well. So I, I think for me, it's just really taking note at spots on the course – and situate like really judging the situation of where you're at to make decisions. Right. And it's it's not something you could really plan for, but just being aware of where you're at when you need to push, step on the gas, be on the brake. Like that's that's something big that I that I try to do. Like being two or three under, sometimes you don't need to push. Sometimes you could just keep keep waiting and waiting, keep giving yourself opportunities and listen, another putt drops, then great. You hit one close, great, but just always keeping yourself in the fairway and just trying to not get in trouble and playing conservative. I think that was my game plan. I mean, that's all I did. Just got a, made birdie on one, kind of got out, got in some trouble that I got out of nicely and started making some putts and, just waited for the par fives and took advantage of those and ended up with five under the first day. And that that's it. And played super conservative the second day, did what I need to do to get in the match clicks. Yep. That's all that matters. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, T10 and stroke play gets you into match play. Um, you know, your round of 64 match was uh, pretty smooth. Uh, had a, had a nail biter in the round of 32 and then round of 16, you run into David Ford who, you know, He's already been named to the Walker Cup team. Um, you know, you have this incredible match with him that goes 19 holes. You make birdie on the 19th hole to to, to win that. And, you know, you, you know as well as anyone or anyone that plays match play, sometimes those handshakes at the end, um, sometimes they could be a little less than authentic. I don't think I'm uh, breaking any news uh, here. But, um, man, I saw that handshake that he gave you and he just looked really happy for you and really proud of you and, and on that win. Um, not that that was like the end all be all of your, of your week. I mean, you, you, you dropped a, a tight one to Parker Bell the following round, but to get to that point, to beat David, 
who, again, really one of the top-ranked amateurs in the world, did you allow yourself to embrace that sense of accomplishment, or um, was it just, okay, what's next? Yeah, no, it was definitely, I mean, to start off, David is a class act. He's an unbelievable, he's a class act. He's a very consistent player. Like, he's, he'll never let it get out of hand. He'll always be in a match. He's he's a fighter. So I knew it was going to be a real grind. And I didn't really think about it at the time because I had to prepare for a, another match. But definitely looking back, I mean, it was it was really cool. I mean, he's he's a class act. He gave me a genuine handshake and said a couple of nice things after. So, yeah. I mean, that really shows, like, what kind of person he is. So I have the utmost respect for him, him and his game. So it was, it was really cool. It's just, as they said, uh, like a, a great match play duel. And that's that's what happens. It was just a great match play duel. So it was, it was pretty cool to duel it out with him. And we've been playing since I think sophomore year at the AJ at during like during junior golf and AJGA stuff. So obviously we knew knew each other's games well and knew it was gonna be a close close ball match. Yeah, he um I, I definitely have a picture of that handshake and uh I could just tell he was really happy for you and you know, that, that was a great run. And, you know, whether or not that win or, or your, you know, who knows what exactly you did at the USAM to, to get the attention or just to solidify what everyone, you know, expected that you would be on that team. You, you finally do get the call, which I'm guessing, I mean, well, first of all, describe that phone call. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of joy, but I'm guessing that had to have been a little bit of a nice relief and a breather and okay, I don't have to worry about this anymore. I'm on the team. Yeah, seriously. I was actually, I was in school working on my, uh, making my room for my apartment with my mother and she, uh, so we were doing that and got the call and it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was the best call I've ever gotten. So uh, it was pretty special to show with her. And uh, it was a big sigh of relief, just knowing, knowing that I thought I, I played well in, in the correct moment of time. Right. And, I mean, let's face it, golf is what people's doing most relevant. That's what, I mean, in ever, any sport, let's face it, like everyone cares about last game. So it's like I knew it, it helped that I played well at the USAM, the USGA event. So it knew that it helped, but obviously you don't know until you get the call and, it was just, I was like, wow, this is really happening. So it was cool to share with my mom. And it was something I'm never going to forget. And again, the what about coolest, the, what about the phone? Yeah, what about the phone call to your dad, though? Yeah, uh, I, so I, call, I called him a little after, I guess. He, he was excited. I think he, uh, he thought I was going to be on the team, I guess. I don't know. He is, he believes in me a lot more than I believe in myself sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> He wasn't too excited. I mean, he was excited, but I guess he was like, yeah, he was like, great job. <laughs> he, <laughs> okay. was, he was like, yeah, great job. My mom was crying. Okay. But, That's uh, fair. My yeah. mom's a more emotional person, but no, uh, it was cool. I mean, I think in the whole, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it later, but like I had a picture in my mind of the whole experience, what was going to happen after I got the call. Oh, really? Trying to, trying to picture it, like just trying to see what everything's going to look at. St. Andrews, the crowd, 
the guys, the guys, the guys around me. And it's just, I was trying to do it and being there exceeded it by a million percent. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the other thing too, is you get the call. Now it's a, it's a race to New York trying to get everyone there. You know, they, they really only had four guys named because, um, you know, they had, they had five. So it was, it was Gordon, it was David Ford, Thor Bjornsson, then they uh, later on added uh, Surratt and Nick Dunlap, but then Thor Bjornsson had to pull out due to injury. So there's only four on the team. And then the day after, you know, the USAM, there's six. And now it's like August 21st, 2nd, something like that. And you guys leave for, or I'm sorry, it's, no, it's August. Yeah, it's like August 20th or 21st. And you guys leave for Scotland on the 25th. So you guys got to get to New York. You got to get your uniforms, uh, you know, tailored and fit. You got to get all the gear. You have to kind of, you know, passports. You got to get all that stuff done. That might have been the hardest part for you guys, I would imagine. Yeah, it was. Uh, luckily, I had a passport from the Junior President's Cup, but ah. I'm sure you could, you'll hear from the guys. I mean, I was coming in, at, I had to go to class. Uh, the day that everyone kind of got in that morning. So I had to, I had to go to class that day. And, uh, I came in looking like, like shamble, like a sh- I was in shambles. <laughs> I mean, I was a mess. Actually our picture in our group chat is me with like my tie halfway, like untied. Cause I didn't know how to tie a tie. I do now. That's something I should, maybe something very important that I learned. That's not golf from that trip. But, uh, so I didn't know how to tie a tie and it's like half tied and my hair's a mess. And I'm like, and we're at a, a super nice place. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. Sorry for looking like, <laughs> Hi. sorry for looking like crap, but I'm here. Hi, I'm Ben James. Where, where's the first tee? What's the course record? Oh no. Uh, exactly. what, what does that start? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have heard a few things. Um, you know, I, I have, I've spoken to, uh, uh, spoke with Cap McCoy, who's actually uh, on uh, on one of the late, the latest episodes here at the back of the range. And you know, I said, look, um, I said, Cap, you know, the boys got you all the points you needed. Um, you got the cup, you won. They can't take the points back. So you know, give me some juice. And I said, give me give me some some uh, insight. And he said that uh, apparently Gordon Sargent was the biggest fan of the Cardigans, and which I didn't see that that one coming. But then he also said that um, that you may have had the the biggest struggle with with ties and and the, the formal wear, so to speak. Is that a fair statement, or is he missing someone? Was there someone else on the team that that had difficulty, or were you were you the one that had the most trouble? I mean, I was I was definitely the most trouble, but. Caleb Surratt was definitely not far behind from me. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, I, I had trouble with all the, the the formal stuff, the jacket. Yeah, of course, like my button has to like pop off somehow. Like, uh-huh. Of course, like it just has to happen to me, and not like stew or something, but it has to happen to me. So that that's great. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't know how to tie a tie coming and. Nick and Gordon were very, uh, I think they were more entertained teaching me how to tie a tie, but I did get it done at the end of the trip. I probably, I don't know if I know how to tie one now, but at the end of the trip I did. I, I, <laughs> I think I just figured something out. You know, they, you know, you and, you and Caleb were paired together in both foursome sessions 
and I think I just figured it out. It wasn't so much of a skill set thing or personality thing. It was more like, look, they're both going to look disheveled. We don't know if they're going to be wearing the right clothes, but if we just put them together, they, we just keep them away from the other guys. That way no one's like guilty by association. Do you think that was part of it, or do you actually think golf came into play when those pairings were selected? Golf a little, but mostly just mentally. <laughs> we both love eating, eating goldfish. We don't eat salad. We're just – children out there that happen to be good at golf okay so they just like uh, and, those, and we yeah. it and us we played a ton of junior golf so we know each other's games well but more of like just we're children just let them be two-year-olds and somehow they're at the water cup just let them play <laughs> <laughs> okay well there it is fair fair point um I was going for the joke, but I guess there's just some serious part of it. So that's, that's perfect. When did, you know, there are also some guys in the team and I don't think they, they meant it, but you know, they, they kind of kept their, they didn't let their guard down very much, but you always seem to have a pretty big smile on your face. And there were a couple of times when I was like, pretty cool, huh? And you're like, yeah, this is really cool. Do you, do you remember when it kind of hit you? Like, okay, this, like you said, you had an idea of what this was going to look like in your head. And then you get there and it's, it far exceeds it. Do you kind of have that moment or like one of those moments that it hits you like, Holy, this is, wow, this is really, really cool. Yeah. I think definitely like probably like takes two or three days, but definitely like one of our practice rounds in the morning in the team room, I'm like, wow, I'm at St. Andrews about to play the old course around all these great players, all these stars. And it's like, wow it's pretty cool and actually i would say one of my uh biggest accomplishments i think i made gordon laugh a lot on that trip you made gordon so sergeant laugh a lot holy I don't cow. He, yeah so i made him laugh a lot so i think just just the whole just being close with everyone and getting to know everyone a lot better really it, it's more than golf getting to know someone as a person yeah that was that was really cool for me so I'm kind of on the quieter side. And so I was kind of opening up to everyone. I felt comfortable and it was just, we all had a great time. And I think that's what made it, made it enjoyable for everyone. We're comfortable, comfortable being around each other and just being ourselves. And that that's important just to have a great team dynamic. And, and we did, and we ended up playing well. And for me, it was just walking, probably walking on, that first team team it up and like wow this is this is pretty pretty sick well i'm I'm glad you brought that up because you actually hit the well i guess it was a third the third tee ball because you were, you were in the second match with caleb on saturday morning you're uh you're going out right behind uh gordon and dylan minetti and you're it's it's alternate shot obviously so you you got the odd hole so you're you're off number one and you're hitting basically the third the third tee shot of the, of the 49th Walker cup at St. Andrews. Um, I was there. I, I pulled up some of the photos that I took from the first tee and on the outside, I mean, rock solid. Couldn't tell that you were thinking about anything other than just, you know, hitting a hybrid just right down the middle of the fairway. Uh, what about on the inside? Yeah. So playing travelers earlier in the, uh, early in the summer, I get to the first tee. I'm like, okay, listen, we've had a great college season. Nothing, like nothing's gonna, nothing's gonna go wrong. Right. And hearing that, and I'm from there, obviously, so a lot of people are out there watching. I hear that roar, 
before I teed up and like inside I'm like, whoa, 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 I am not okay. <laughs> so I yeah, I was like, whoa, this is not good. And it took me like three times to get the ball on the tee and whatever. But uh so I was like, okay, listen, just expect that to happen. Like expect to hear that same more. And I kind of did and obviously it wasn't there because it, it weren't the home crowd and right. I was like, all right, this is, this is not bad. Like nothing. Like I was okay. Like it was really pretty okay for it. Cause I think I had that experience in the past with travelers where I was like, it's a pretty loud roar and I was not okay. And I, and I kind of expected it. Like, obviously I think for me, at least the, un- what like the unexpected before I play is that's where it kind of starts getting me a little nervous. Cause gotcha. I like, knowing what I'm going to have for breakfast, my range time, that. So when I'm, that all goes to plan, I'm okay. But when the unexpected comes, I think that's what, that's obviously probably what gets most people nervous. Just like if something, something happens to shake their morning routine, that could have some anxiousness for, for people. And that's what kind of, that's what was for me staying in that first two travelers and just was not ready to hear that, but I heard it and, I kind of looked back and looked back on it for the first two walk up. I was like, you just got to get ready to hear that and expect that and figure out how to do it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah. And also that, that first fairway or that first, uh, yeah, that fairway off of number one at uh, St. Andrews, that doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt either when it's that wide. That's, that's going to be a nice thing right. to, to look at. Yeah. That that's <laughs> that I'm guessing every single Walker cupper this year that had to hit that ball off of number one, that that's, that's not the worst thing in the world. You partner with Caleb, like I said, you're partner with Caleb Sherrod, both for some sessions. Um, you know, you played great Saturday morning, just got beat by, you know, Callum and, and Connor Graham, who just played played great. I think you guys were like three, four under though on your ball, which is fantastic golf. Uh, you went out again on Sunday morning and this is really, you know, the team's three down. This is really a um, you know, this is really the most important session, I think, of the, of the Walker Cup. You guys have to chip away at this or else you're really in a bad spot heading into singles. You're the only – you guys are the only U.S. pairing that that played both sessions. I think that speaks volumes to the amount of uh, trust and respect that McCoy had for you and actually the rest of the team had for you guys. What makes you and Caleb so good together in your eyes? Yeah. Other than the ball striking. I mean, you guys are all killers. So, I mean, as you said, you know, rankings and skill sets when it comes down to match play, I think that kind of goes out the window like you were talking about earlier. Like, what about you two work so well? I think just knowing each other's, each other's, like, more, like, what we think, like, what we think in our pre-shot routine, like, what, what shot we're trying to hit, where we're trying to land it, what flight we're trying to hit. Like, we're kind of on the same page with that and think about similar things and so that kind of helps like we're not like oh we like to play Caleb's aggressive and I'm cautious I think we're both with like judging it pretty situational so I think us two are pretty good understanding of a each other's game and b how to the way we play I think is is pretty similar so I think that helps and I think just the way like if something kind of went, went wrong, like not to be afraid to like tell someone, like I was during the match, Caleb came up to me and I was like, I was missing some, I was hitting great putts and obviously it's, it's pretty windy and it's, it's hard to make putts. And I was, I had a putt that lipped out. I, I got pretty frustrated and 
sometimes it's hard to go up to someone and kind of kick them in the butt a little and mm-hmm. tell them, Hey, he, he can't be act not, not that I did anything bad, but not, you can't be acting this way. You can't, you can't show emotion. So he did that. And he, he told me to like, Hey, keep your head up and don't worry about that and just keep playing. And, and that's kind of, that's what helped me and birdie the next hole. And I think one, three, two or two holes after that and kind of, winning two holes on I think seven and eight those are those are big holes to win and kind of just just kept control of the match after that so I think that was big for us that we're that we're not afraid to go up to each other and just tell us tell the other person what we're thinking you hit this drive on 17 in on Sunday morning and you know this is the road hole at St. Andrews uh that's actually the hole where you end up closing out uh, John Goff and and uh Matt McLean two of their you know senior leaders on the GB&I team, so I know that that was a big blow to them. Uh, Caleb, uh, I'm not sure if you noticed, you probably didn't because you were actually trying to see where the ball was going to go, and Caleb went nuts before the ball was even at its apex, just yelling about it being just a big-time shot, which it absolutely was. For anyone that is traveling to St. Andrews, they obviously want to play the old course. They dream about playing the old course and obviously playing the road hole is uh, is part of that i mean it's one of the most iconic golf holes in the world so for someone that um you know clearly hit a hit a solid drive under pressure when it was needed the most uh what's your words of wisdom about hitting a good drive on the 17th hole of the old course yeah so i think i mean obviously it's a, it's a tough tee shot because of the hotel yeah most people don't want to get close to the hotel just because they don't want to hit it yeah and it's it is a little intimidating so I think just stepping up there and, and just not being scared. And I was playing a cut that week and just really took an aggressive target and, and just swung hard and made a really nice aggressive swing. And I, we could tell Caleb and I, like when we really, really, really make a full committed golf swing. And that's, listen, that's all you could ask for when you, when you play the game, just to make a good swing that you committed on and, he knew I, he knew I did that and hit a really nice shot and just was a bit, was a big time shot at a, at a needed moment. So that, that was, re- that was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah. That was a, that was a big shot. You, um, forgot to mention, uh, you're one of the, you know, obviously everyone wants to play all four sessions, but, uh, you know, that's just not going to happen. There's going to be guys that sit and you, uh, you sat Saturday afternoon and to go from, trying to get on the team, then you get selected, then the whirlwind of the entire week of prep and the travel and the practice, all that, and then you actually get in and get a match under your belt, and then you get to kind of mentally take a little bit of a break and actually be a spectator. How did you spend that afternoon? I mean, uh, again, obviously you want to be out there playing, but were you able to kind of take another moment for yourself and sit back and watch this unfold without having to, you know, look at you know, judge the wind and calculate yardages and, and execute shots and hit six footers. Um, what, what were those four or five hours like for you? Yeah, it was cool. Uh, I followed Caleb and followed Austin a little bit. So I was out there and it was just really awesome to watch the, uh, the guys play. And I mean, obviously when you're playing and kind of, you kind of see the guys cause the holes kind of mesh together, but you're so focused. It doesn't really, yeah. you don't really even think about anything. So, seeing them play it's it's i mean everyone's so good so hey that's really cool and 
be just like look at all the people around the yeah. whole scenery everything's just really special so taking a step back and i was walk, walking with my coach for a little bit uh sar uh, coach sergeant so it was cool he made the trip and we had a blast just walking and talking and then when the matches got tied i went went and uh saw them and saw gordon hit his like baby cut driver on the green i'm like well i can't do that so uh well thanks for making me feel bad gordon appreciate it uh i think he hit, so, i think he hit three wood a couple times too if that does that help you out at all or no that's probably not helping yeah you. it makes me feel even worse oh, thank you Dad. i'm sorry about that <laughs> um uh, no it was pretty special yeah that's i i think i mentioned that to greaser or Gabrelsic in the in the morning of of Saturday, I said, you know, I know you want to be out there, but hey, go enjoy this. You get a little bit of time to just kind of be a spectator. Um, let me get you out of here in a few fun ones. Um, I don't know the full story of this, but I was reminded of this when I pulled it up, uh, just looking at some of the comments on your your latest post on Instagram. Uh, what is the "you're pulling my tail" reference? What what uh, remind me and and inform listeners where did that come from? Yeah, so it started where uh, it was in a practice round and we were doing just like a little inner squad match. Caleb and I, of course, were partners. The two children out there. <laughs> uh, we were doing like a six man kind of like partner best ball thing, and and I was in. I wasn't really even keeping track and. Uh, Caleb was like, oh, we're two under, we're one back. And I, I was like, oh, we're not playing well. It's like, you have to be pulling my tail. We're not, we're not two under, no chance. And I guess everyone thought it was hilarious. And uh, another uh, another joke to that where I told uh, Austin, I guess his nickname is Monkey. Right. I don't know, it's a Carolina thing, so I don't, that doesn't, I don't know anything about that. Well, but, it should uh, be it should be grease monkey because that's kind of a a euphemism for like a mechanic. So I believe that's where that's from. Yeah. So we go with that. And uh, when he was on eighteen on a Saturday afternoon, I was like, "Hey, you can't pull the monkey's tail, man." Just to uh, oh just gosh. to make a joke, try to try to lighten the mood with him uh, when he's coming down the stretch. But yeah, it's kind of came from a practice round. One of my jokes like pulled out from my childish head and it's funny and i think with with me what makes it funny that i don't i don't try to be funny it just somehow uh-huh. comes out funny with me just like that humor i guess that makes everyone laugh so but I, that was a good one-liner you're you're the king of the one-liners the unintentional humor is a lot funnier than someone that's trying to be funny so i think that's where that's exactly. coming from um I know that a lot of big, big matches took place. Um, I mean, gosh, just I can't even put my finger on all of them. But the biggest match of the uh, of the of the whole week, I'm guessing, was the ping pong match between you and Caleb. Um, this was I mean, this wasn't on uh, this wasn't on Golf Channel. This wasn't televised. Uh, you know, this which is a shame because I think that would have been huge rating numbers for for the RNA, for the USGA, for everyone involved. So how does, how does this match, obviously there's some, there's some real good players in the team room uh, in ping pong. And then there's, there's the JV division, which apparently you and Caleb were a part of. So this match took place. Can you, can you just explain everything about this? Cause I know a little bit, but apparently I don't know everything. So the, this match started when I, 
one night when we were both bored and Caleb's getting beat. I haven't touched the ping pong table all week and Caleb's getting smoked. I was like, Hey, I'm really bad. Like, and I was like, Caleb, you look like some guy that we could have a good match. Like we, the skill sets around the same. And we started playing as like a joke and kind of got serious. And someone was like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta make this a serious match. It looks like it could be a very entertaining to watch. Obviously us two against each other. We've always been, partners play with each other this whole week so let's try to see what these guys got against each other so uh that's kind of how it started and i don't know where this the salad came in how we don't eat salad that conversation happened but uh so we both don't eat salad and the team came up with the the loser has to eat their first salad so the match started the night before sat the Friday night and uh Robbie had salad come out on a silver platter. Oh no. And yeah, it was serious and we had some walk up songs and uh it was it was pretty cool. It was a it was a good match. I started off hot just trying to get the crowd into it. <laughs> uh trying got got up to a four four oh start and Caleb battled back to, I think we were, I was one up at, at there was a halftime. Yeah, we had to catch our breaths because I was of very nervous. And I, and I know he was too, extremely nervous. So, uh, and then I was down 16 20 and then went four straight serves because whoever's down, like, if you're, Cause, yeah. Because Caleb, Caleb's terrible. You could say it. <laughs> Exactly. So I somehow went four straight serves to tie it up and everyone is going nuts. Like, I think we have to stop again just to calm everyone down. Like the, the whole room is unleashing like laughter and like going nuts. So we got a, another time out there and he unfor- Caleb unfortunately wins the next two points. And unfortunately I have to be the one eating salad, being my face all red, of embarrassment, having to eat this salad. It's, gross and like you know boy but no it was it was a lot of fun it was uh i think it was a great great team bonding thing that everyone could watch and i I think it helped us all get closer and uh helped us win at the end of the day our our ping pong match ping pong match helped us win well and and i'm sure going into uh you know going into the matches to with a calm stomach after eating your first salad was was probably what kept you so calm and relaxed <laughs> you could say that okay as i said in another like interview it tasted like spider webs in my mouth yeah i think i don't that, know how that... no that came out with the press conference i don't know who brought was it it was david ford i think of course it's david, david ford yeah so that the, the joke keeps going and i think it's going to keep going for a lot and i had a had her interject and not just be an outsider just sitting there. So I, I just run up on the, the press conference stage and make a, make a statement, which I don't know if it was liked or not, but I did. it. Anyways. I thought that was great. So. I thought that was a great, great move. Um, well, let me get you out of here. You're wrapping up your, um, or you're, you're obviously getting into your sophomore season, but um, you know, the next Walker cup is going to come around in 2025 and you'll be wrapping up your junior season at UVA at that point. You already know who the captain's going to be, Nathan Smith. You played with him at Santa Hannah, and actually Luke Clanton was in that group as well. Um, so, you know, two guys that, uh, along with Caleb and just anyone from that class, is going to be on that short list to make the next team. 
What what would you say to players, whether it's Luke or not Caleb, but obviously he knows, but you know Luke or just any player that's going to be on that short list, you know, a year and a half from now. You know, if someone asks you, you know, what does it mean to be a U.S. Walker Cupper? Have you figured out a way to answer that question after knowing what you went through for the entire process and enjoying the entire week? And, you know, how do you answer that question of what it means to you? For me, how I would say it's just the highest honor of amateur golf. I mean, there is no there's no higher honor of being on the on the Walker Cup team. I mean, I've. I dreamt on being that team since I was seventh grade, and I forget who was on that team, but all the teams, I mean, at least half the guys go out and play on the PGA Tour, so that, it's just incredible to be named such a small list of guys to play for the USGA, it's any USGA event, USGA event you play in is, is an honor, so, I mean, it's just the highest level, highest honor, and their golf, so, it's it was, it was amazing and an amazing honor just to be named for, on the team. And I think looking back at it, just how serious of, how serious it really is, and all the history with all the dinners we kind of went to. Just I learned a lot about the history and who who's been on the team, the years we won, and it, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. And again, super super lucky to be named a Walker Cupper and a Walker Cupper forever. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, sir, uh, it was a fun, uh, a fun week over there. Um, a lot of great memories, a lot of fun. And, uh, but now, uh, now we're both, uh, well, you more than me, but it's back to school, back to college golf. So, um, good luck the rest of the way this fall with, uh, with Virginia. I'll be seeing you in the spring, but, uh, yeah, appreciate you stopping by back of the range and we'll do it again soon. That's right. Thank you. Appreciate it. And there you have it. Special thanks to Ben James for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget to follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Everything you need to know, every back episode can be found at thebackoftherange.com. Enjoy your week, and we will see you next time here at the back of the range.